All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have a special guest, Fatima Oliver. Uh, Fatima grew up as the only girl with five brothers. Uh, there was no uh, princess in her house. Her mother was a single parent and tough as nails, sometimes to a fault. At the age of two, she was recovering from burns on 25% of her body. By the age of 10, she was emphatically convinced pain and family was synonymous. Uh, these uh, mentionables, alongside the death of a child, abandonment issues, physical abuse from a spouse, and an inherited blood disorder affecting her son eventually uh, sent her spiraling, uh, but God. The entire journey uh, birthed an inspirational memoir titled The Prescription is in the Dirt, now available in paperback and ebook version on Amazon.com a self-published love that has gained incredible responses. Throughout her journey, she learned three key foundations that she believes she's meant to share. Um, and that is something we're going to get into on the show today. So Fatima, welcome to, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, of course. So uh, kind of just like walk me through, you know, it sounds like just from the brief kind of bio that I read there, you know, you, you definitely went through a lot um, in childhood and, and kind of, Talk to me about like the, I guess the process of kind of starting to uh, deal with some of those issues, starting to like overcome those issues, like in terms of uh, how you got to that, you know, went through all that difficult stuff to eventually getting to where you are today in terms of being able to like share your story and, and empower people. Well, I would definitely say that it was, it, I mean, literally a life-size journey since I was two years old. So um, I really um, was in, introduced to pain and sadness and uh, just heartache and sorrow from such a young age and just carried that throughout my life really as the norm. Um, being the only girl in a home full of boys and a tough mom, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of room for emotions to be displayed. And so I learned to keep my emotions in, which to me um, was kind of the catalyst that got me um, having anxiety attacks and being unable to express my emotions in a, in a healthy way. Um, going through those type of situations, especially being burned on my body, I don't even re remember that occurring, just knowing all my life this has been the case and, and learning um, at such an early age, the teasing and just the unfairness of life. Um, even through um, a, a sexual abuse from a stepfather and physical abuse from another stepfather. It just, it, you know, my life was planned out. If you, if you want to say destined for failure, um, it really took me working through my life and, and picking up some horrible habits, horrible decision-making skills, um, leaving, uh, trying so bad to leave a tumultuous situation in my family life, in my home and then going straight into a worse situation with a spouse and really just get into a place about a, a few years ago where I had to humble myself. I believe that help comes with humility and had to get to a place where I really had to have a, uh, I, I call it a come to Jesus moment. I really had to have a moment where I recognized and respected the fact that the way I had managed my life up to this point really <laughs> I really wasn't doing a good job. And of course, there was 
um, a good amount that was to blame on my upbringing or my atmosphere and environment. But, but I also believe that to what you understand, you are held accountable. So there is that transitional period where my life, my destiny was up to me to fulfill and the direction of my path in life was up to me. And so just really um, doing my best to come out of a, a self-victimization mindset, which is a trap. And, and a lot of people who have went through being a victim, it's so easy for them to get trapped in that mindset. And so just really trying to work through coming out of that mindset of self-victimization. Right. I, that's, it's interesting that you, you brought that up because I was, I was just going to take the conversation there. I was going to ask you kind of yeah. when, when you started realizing, like, despite the fact that you had all of these really difficult circumstances, like, when did you start realizing, like, oh, you know, I'm not necessarily just a product of my environment. Like, I actually yeah. have, you know, kind of free will to, to sort of change the life and, and, and go the direction that I want to go in the future. Yeah, well, I've always had heard it preached to me, and, and I've always had some type of a mentor around me that say, you can do it, and and you're the best, and all these things. However, it never, it, I feel like it bounced off like Teflon, and just never in, 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 um, it went inside me to really believe it, but I've always had those type of whispers, kind of mindset back in my subconscious, if you want to say, but it was just that greater um, conversation of, I'm worthless, I can't do it, I'm a failure, Nobody will want me. The burns on my feet will stop any man from loving me. And, and, and you don't know how to be around a man. You don't know how to be a good friend. All of these things were such greater, bigger conversations in my head. But it really came to a place where it was quieter. I had gotten the quote unquote success that I always said, if I, if I got it, then, then my mindset would change. I wouldn't be so sad. I had the family. I had the husband. And, and just um, basically uh, kind of like my dream. If I had these things, then my life should be better. And so this sadness would go away if I get these things. Well, I got those things. And I realized that I was still in a funk. I realized that I was still sad and I still felt um, um, unworthy for what I had. And it was in that moment where I had to make a decision on, am I going to continue the rest of my life in this direction or am I going to try to make a change. I knew that there was something that was wrong with me. I knew there was something broken inside me to not be happy with what I had been blessed with, but I really didn't know the direction to, to go to get the assistance. Um, but I will say, at least I had that moment where it was like, I know I need help. Now let's explore how to get that help. And it sounds like, so, so you really kind of had that realization once you had sort of achieved all of these external um, sort of measures of, of success maybe that, yeah. that you had thought was going to bring you some some sort of like internal peace but then but then you sort of realized that um, that wasn't really the case is that is that kind of a, a, a accurate sort of summarization yeah absolutely and the crazy thing is a lot of us think that right we have this list of accomplishments that we need to meet in order to be successful or really in order to be happy. And so I had my own list. I'm very solution driven or task oriented. So I had like a checklist. And when I realized that I had hit most of those checklists, but I'm still feeling unfulfilled, that's when it was really kind of like an inner game assessment of what is truly going on with me. And, and coupled with my faith, which has always been there. Um, and for me, I'm a Christian. And so that's what I leaned on. And so just having that, that quiet time to meditate on what um, my Bible says that I am, even though I didn't buy into everything because of my state of mind, I knew that, okay, there are some things that I need to operate 
in the physical. Okay, miracles, they happen, but typically um, it's through people, right? Engagement with other people. So if I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling like I want to end my life, because there were definitely definite moments where I felt that because of an accumulation of all the things that have happened, I struggle with anxiety and depression. So if I don't want to keep thinking these things, at least one of the things that I can do to control my controllables is get medical assistance. And so I went and I got, um, I got um, uh, on medicine for clinical depression. And I stayed there for like 10 years. I stayed in a place where, okay, the medicine should, should fix it all, right? Because I, I'm, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I got medicine and I've been diagnosed. So I kind of got an excuse for being the way that I am and that should fix it. And so it literally took me until my 40s. I'm in my late 40s now. And it really took me until the last few years ago where I realized that the medicine can't fix everything. And that I really, it really was time for me to, I was like at a crossroad and it was really time for me to make a decision on, do I want to start peeling back what, what the real problem is or do I want to just keep medicating? And, um, and, and my son, he, he helped me come up with a nice revelation of thinking a Band-Aid. Do I want to put a Band-Aid on it? The only problem is the Band-Aid doesn't heal. It's the medicine that heals. And so that's when I needed to do a little bit more um, take more effort into my my soul healing is how I look at it beyond the medicine, but actually going to speak with someone. And and so what did that? What did you sort of like realize? I guess like uh, in terms of you know once once you sort of realized that you know the medicine was was maybe helping, but wasn't getting to like the core sort of root of the the issue. Like what what sort of stuff? What sort of <laughs> stuff did you? What like what sort of stuff did you learn? I guess like when you started examining. Like yeah, for sure. It was one of those things where sometimes, well, there's a saying, be careful what you pray for, because I would constantly pray like, like God, I mean, I'm taking my medicine. Um, I'm doing all these positive things. I even have positive affirmations all over my wall. But why am I not feeling better? And I really got to a place where I literally felt like I was losing my mind. I started to not recognize myself. And when I say that, I mean, having anxiety attacks on my job, um, just crying for no reason. I couldn't even think of why I was crying, just crying or pulling over on the side of the road in a parking lot and just sobbing because I was so sad and I, I couldn't understand why I was so sad if I had, quote unquote, everything that I, I, I worked for, um, the, everything that I thought would make me happy. And it was in that moment of feeling like I had lost myself where I said, I really feel like I don't have a choice. For me, I was at such a grave place where it was like, either get some help or I'm going to run right through that intersection in this car and not stop. I had really gotten to that place and no one would have known it because by all accounts on the outside looking in and on my social media platforms, everything was perfect, right? I had the perfect family, everything was perfect. But that is where I was at um, almost every day, seven days, maybe five days out of the week, th that was my thought. And so it was in that moment where I decided I'm going to go, I'm going to go against um, my norm. I'm going to go against my culture of, you know, you don't go and talk to people and you're not crazy. Nothing's wrong with you, Fatima. I'm going to go against all of that and I'm going to schedule an appointment and I'm going to go and talk to somebody and see if they can help. It, so, so it sounds like was that was that kind of like a big uh, probably was like a big step like you mentioned like just um kind of within your culture but but also just i mean yeah. i think just overall i mean within within kind of like western society it's it's yeah. still kind of like taboo 
to talk sometimes about like mental health issues. And yeah. I think COVID, you know, just, just the amount of depression and anxiety skyrocketing yeah. is probably, you know, making it a little bit more, you know, kind of uh, comfortable or normal for people to talk about this yeah. stuff. But, you know, what uh, was that like, was that kind of going against kind of everything? Like, like, it sounds like it was a big step to. Yeah, to absolutely. It was. I mean, my entire life, I always felt and I've told people this my entire life, I don't remember a time besides, you know, on uh, at this current time, my entire life, I don't remember a time where I felt happy. I always felt like there was this cloud, how you see on the commercials with the cloud over the person when they're talking about depression. I felt like a cloud was always following me from what I can remember. I just don't ever remember feeling joy exuberating from the inside out. So this was a natural way of life for me. It was comfortable for me. And those moments when I felt um, in my young adult time, uh, young adulthood, or even as a teenager, when I, when I would consider something is really wrong with me, I feel like I'm crazy. There would be people around me or my support system that would say, girl, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And so I would convince myself, okay, well, there is nothing wrong with me. But this was something that I carried with me as an undercurrent throughout my life. And so actually making the decision to stop and go talk to someone was huge. And I'm so grateful that I understand that nobody should do life alone. We are not meant to do life alone. We are not meant to self-isolate away from community. And, and I'm so grateful that I understand that because it was my community of people that are like-minded um, women that were able to say, you know what, Fatima, I really do think that you need to speak with someone. And they didn't just say that to me and then leave me to my own vices to figure it out. They also encouraged me and said, when you have your first appointment, I want you to reach out to me and let me know how it went. And they celebrated that big step. So something that should feel so awkward, which it did in the beginning, but something that should feel, I guess you would normally expect it to feel kind of even shameful from what my background is. It felt, it was celebrated. It was celebrated by people who um, was my safe place to fall. Um, Carolyn Leaf, um, you may have heard of her. She calls it freaking out in the love zone. These were people where I could freak out and be my horrible self in, in, a, in a horrible state and they love me through it. And it was those people that helped me get the courage to walk through the door when I was so nervous and scared to do it. So it sounds kind of like that, uh, sort of like unconditional, like, you know, they, they loved Absolutely. you regardless of, you know, what you, you may have been going through. Um, like you kind of realize those were the people that were there for you when you actually needed yes. them. Yeah. And everybody needs that. I mean, I, I, I can't stress that enough as far as like having a safe place to fall. They, they were an extension of my safe place to fall, but that safe place to fall may not be your family. It may not be your parents. It may not be your spouse. It may have to be a therapist where you feel that you can say whatever, leave it all on the table and know that it's not going to come back and be used against you in a weak moment, right? So we all need that space. And I'm so grateful to have that space in um, the people that I, I, communi I community with, do community with. Right, right. So uh, I guess kind of taking a step forward, um, kind of after having gone through that journey, yeah. um, tell me about kind of the, the, uh, the decision to, to write your book um, okay. and, and sort of what went into uh, so, so the, the, the book is called The Prescription is in the Dirt. Um, tell me about like what, 
uh, I guess first the the sort of uh, meaning behind the title and yes. <laughs> and what and uh, sort of why you decided to write that. Yes, so it really is the book. The pre prescription is in the dirt. Is really an extension of my therapy. Um, it was really I had I, for the first time in my life I had gotten to a place where I felt the freedom to speak about the horribleness that had happened in my childhood. Um, I had never really spoke on it. I had, um, like I have done it as far as a checklist. Yeah, I've been through that. I've been through that. But as far as talking about the, the damage, the emotional damage, the trauma that comes with it after you survive something, I never dug that deep. And so the, the name, the prescription is in the dirt, means all that dirt, all those things that, that I shared, um, uh, uh, with you briefly, but just the fact of I've been a burn, I'm a burn victim, that I was abandoned by my father, that I lost a brother, that I lost a child, that I've been sexually, mentally, emotionally abused, I've been physically abused. All of these things is the dirt. And if you're not careful, that same dirt can bury you. And you'll wind up living your life in a place where you turn around and say, how did I get here? And it's because you decided to survive and congratulations, you survived it, but you never dealt with the trauma that was associated with surviving it. And so the book just walks through my life and my situations, um, some of most, well, some of them, <laughs> I didn't put everything in it, but uh, walks through a great amount of the events that I've um, went through, the trauma that was associated, the baby steps that I took, to, to walk through the process of to get to a place of healing. And it's candid about there are some places where I'm still working through that healing process because I'm not superwoman, although my kids think I am. <laughs> but, you know, I still have everyday situations that I have to encounter. And, but it's through the identity that I was able to find in going through this process that helps me in my future. You know, that helps me get through my day-to-day -day now. And, and it's, it's a new space for me that I'm living in right now. It's, it's a pretty awesome space that I'm living in right now. And, um, and it's new. And it's weird sometimes because I'm so used to the gloom and the sadness and the uncertainty and the feeling of lack of work. I'm so used to that. So this is such a new space for me. I'm excited about it, but I'm still learning. I'm still going through a journey myself. But the book basically goes through all of that. And, and I hope that it helps people who have also gone through similar experiences, who have maybe not gotten to a place where they feel that they can speak their truth, they feel like there's no audience for them to speak it to, that they can at least feel that they're not alone, that I've lived it, and that I've been able to come out on the other side. The scars are there. I have my battle wounds, but I, I take pride in that now and not feel ashamed. So I want to focus on what, what you just said right there. So you feel pride in it and not uh, uh, shame. Is that, was that kind yeah. of like the big, like sort of get, like getting to that space, like uh, yes. over the course of like therapy was that like kind of the the, the sort of mindset change because yeah. it was Absolutely. like I mean because you you can't change the past you can't reverse all of those kind of traumatic things that you've been through like that's a part of you but at the same time it sounds like you sort of uh, uh, changed your 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 thinking uh, and just just I mean I guess the core I, I don't know if changing your thinking really does it justice you kind of changed, I guess, the meaning of, of what yeah. those experiences were to you? Yeah, I would say that the experience was still the experience. I don't think that part will change, but it's the purpose that I'm using it for. And in, in that, I'm taking my power. 
right? In the beginning, I was a victim. I was a victim of, um, uh, the burns was an accident, but I was a victim to um, all of these things that I laid out. And to a large degree, most of my life was lived as a victim, feeling that kind of like, woe is me, and that how can I be anything good because of all this stuff that has happened to me? And I, I learned a way, yes, through processing, through therapy, um, through um, having a tribe of, of, of people um, that, that are like-minded and who are out to heal themselves as my support. Um, to ha I, have, I have accountability partners that when I feel low that they can speak the truth and love to me. And just surrounding myself with the right type of support system, I've been able to say um, I'm changing my future of how I um, approach these situations that have happened. So now I'm in a position to where I'm speaking on it and I'm taking away the power that was held over me just from the, the thought of it happening. It wasn't even necessarily a person, it was just the thought that this happened to me. And that thought had so much power over what I thought that I could do in my life um, that it held me back for a long time. I'm taking that back. And I'm taking that back by doing things like writing the book and speaking on it and trying to do my best that every time that I speak with somebody or um, am introduced to an audience to tell the raw truth about the situation, but also explain that that doesn't have to be the end. And so for me, I've been able to experience such a greatness and such um, such a, I, I can't even put, find the right word, but it's, it's awestruck when you hear somebody reach out and say, I read your book, and I've experienced a, a similar situation. And I'm so grateful that you, you spoke on that because it is so true. And I feel like a seed has been planted in my life. And now I have the steps to, to I have steps that I can use to, to work on my own healing. And I'm gonna go ahead and make that call, or I'm gonna go ahead and talk to the doctor or what have you. But just being able to be that person to give somebody else uh, a helping hand, I mean, it's just, it's priceless, it's priceless. Right. So what, tell me about, uh, I guess, what have been the, the sort of feedback, like from the book, have a lot of yeah. people like told you that, uh, that it's like, they, they've sort of, they relate to it, that they've been through similar yeah. experiences. What, uh, yeah. what kind of things do people tell you? Well, so as an example, um, there's a story that shared about um, me being shoot, around in my thirties when it was questioned who my who my biological father was had no idea <laughs> that was even a question. Um, the one that was in my life wasn't necessarily the best anyway, but it was just shattering to think that my entire life, my grandparents, my lineage could be a lie, and working through that process of getting a DNA test and just that whole process that you have to go through and, and the anger and the craziness of why am I just now finding out about this? Someone read the book and they had a similar um, situation with their, with their father and they were trying to resolve their relationship and just reading it in the book. Um, she reached out to me and just thanked me for sharing it and for the first time expressed that that was a situation that she was in and that it just made her feel good to know that she wasn't alone, that there were other people that were experiencing such heartache. And it didn't make it better, but it made it better for her to know that there were other people that had, had felt the same type of hurt or pain that she had felt. 
Right. I, I know, Dan, I know exactly what you mean. I was, I was having a conversation with a, a friend a couple of days ago about, uh, about music, like musical artists, like uh, we yeah. had mentioned like Kid Cudi um, and the rapper um, XXX Tentacion, who, yeah. who both, they both speak about a lot of um, kind of hurt and pain uh, and suffering kind of in their music. Yeah. And, but yeah, we were talking about, it's like, you know, you don't necessarily like if, if you're really sad and, and feeling that same pain it doesn't it doesn't make it worse it, it's like it makes you feel better because it's it's relatable it's like it's yeah. someone out there that also feels alone yeah. and and in pain so it's yeah. it's like it's like a connection with someone that you know you probably never will meet but yeah still speaks to you yeah and it, and it encourages you there was um i've had a couple um women that have reached out about losing a child and um the fact that i went through that pain um, before and the age, the age difference in their child, my child, there may be an age gap, but just the pain is pretty similar. And it's something that you never get over. You just learn to live with. Um, and so being able to share that in the book, again, when I was writing it, it was based on, um, it was an extension of therapy for me. It was me finding my voice and, and uh, kind of symbolizing me standing on the rooftop and just screaming, I matter, <laughs> you know, that really was my moment, my I matter moment. Um, but to be able to see um, it, it just transcending to other people is amazing. And so I've had that feedback of thank you so much for sharing that, that story, because number one, I never knew that, that, that you went through that. And number two, you know, I'm in that place right now, and it just gives me some hope. And so it's stories like that, where it just is, it, it, I mean, you just have no words, you know, how do you respond to that type of gratitude? You know, the only thing I can do is be so grateful that God used what I thought was such, well, they were horrible situations. And I never in a million years thought that when I was crying in a parking lot, sobbing, ugly tears, not the cute little tears, but the ugly snotty tears, <laughs> when I was sitting there and saying, I don't know what's wrong with me and I don't know how to fix it. And I feel like I'm losing my mind. I never would have thought that I would be on the other side of such turmoil saying, this is my story. I wrote a book and people are buying it and are telling me such promising and awesome, amazing support testimonies because they've read it. So, I mean, for me, that just says, you know, that, that, that God is awesome. <laughs> right. Do, do you sort of, I, this might come off as sort of a weird question, but I mean, do you, do you, do you view it like not saying that you're grateful that, that obviously this, this terrible stuff happened to you, but do you view it as like sort of, uh, 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 what didn't kill you sort of made you stronger in the sense of like, that you had all of these hardships to face that you yeah. might not be the sort of like strong, powerful person you are today if you hadn't yeah. been through that well, sort I of stuff? I definitely believe, I, I believe that, um, again, uh, just from, from my Christian beliefs, that God doesn't waste pain. Nothing is wasted. He's not a wasteful God. And so even if we're in the process or even when I under uh, went through um, these situations, um, and I didn't, I didn't know, <laughs> you know, um, that it was going to be used. Um, but I hope that it would be, you know, and so I, I definitely believe that there's a part of the saying, um, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I believe that, but I also believe that you have to be careful and you play a part in that making you stronger because it can also make you harder. 
it can also make you bitter. It can make you resentful. It can make you turn away from the people that love you the most. It can make you isolate yourself. It can do so, pain can do so many things. And so in the process of it making you stronger, you have to make sure, I think we all have an individual responsibility to make sure that that pain doesn't make us stronger in a bad way, in a negative way, but that it helps us to be a platform for greatness and help us to be able to reach our hand back and help somebody else who, uh, who goes through a similar situation. And that's one thing I know to be true is that no matter what situation that I've been through, it, no matter how I, I would never understand why I had to go through it, I know without a shadow of a doubt that if somebody else is going through that hardship, I'm able to show natural compassion. I don't have to try to work it up. It's naturally gonna be there. And I can speak to them in a way that someone who hasn't went through it could never speak to them. And that is priceless. That makes it worth it when you're in that position to be able to speak into somebody else's life. And that's what we've been able to do. My, my son, one of my children has um, an inherited blood disease. And you spoke of that a little earlier. He has sickle cell disease. And when I found out he had sickle cell, he was a newborn and it just devastated us. And um, I had no clue what it even meant had no clue what we were even gonna do. Um, it took a couple of years, but we were able to find our way a bit and got him a great medical team. And we made a conscious decision, at least I made a conscious decision and then I just made my family buy into it. <laughs> but I made a conscious decision that we were gonna find a way to turn this pain into purpose. And so we started um, putting ourselves out there to host blood drives. And so that has kind of been the thing that we do, we try to do yearly, wasn't able to do it because of COVID this year, but it's really one of those things that we do in our family. We support sickle cell foundations locally um, and on a national scale, but we also try to be a part of the solution. And I feel that anybody that's going through um, tragedy or that has experienced tragedy, don't waste that pain. Use it as a platform to, to, to get strength from it to grow from it, whatever pieces you can get from it, and to help somebody out. I'm a definite believer that I win or I learn. There's no in between. I win or I learn. And I guess sort of sort of along those lines of, of I guess that's sort of like the mindset, the way you, you view these challenges. Like uh, I was gonna ask as far as with, um, with some of the stuff, uh, uh, as far as like, like, we talked about like pain, you know, not, 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 you know, it could make you stronger in a, you know, more kind of negative way. Like, yeah. what do you think, uh, I guess just in your personal opinion, like, what do you think shapes, uh, what, like how pain like changes us? Cause obviously there could be two people could experience like the same event, yeah. the same disaster, the same war, if they're a soldier and they could come out of it with, with two completely diff different sort of, um, it could shape them in two Outcome. completely different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely believe it's perspective. Perspective is a huge thing. It's just like you said, uh, you can have, we, we can have a same, the same experience, but get, well, go through the same event, but have two different experiences. I really think it's your perspective and your perspective and how you view life, how you view your contribution to life, or what, what matters most to you. All of those things shape perspective. And for me, I've just, um, I've, I've always been one that believes in, in um, servanthood. Um, I've, I've just 
been someone, and I guess I, I would, I guess I could say it's because of how I, I how I came up and just the the harsh things that people have said to me, adults have said to me about my burned feet and just experiencing just cruelty at such a young age. I just made a decision that I didn't want to be that type of a person. And so whenever I'm going through a situation, I naturally go towards, lean towards giving people the benefit of the doubt. When I think on my spirituality, I say, I give God the benefit of the doubt that whatever the situation is that I'm going through, there's gotta be something that I'm gonna get out of this. And I may not know all the answers. There are some things, my, my child passing away, I don't see what I, I still haven't gotten an answer on that. It's like, you know, but I just feel like there's a time and place where you have to say, either the chair is going to hold you up or the chair is broken. It's either one or the other. Either you're going to have the faith or you're not. And so for me, I just, I think everybody, at one point in time, you got to make the decision what you're going to believe in and what you know to be true and what type of heart condition you want, what type of person you want to be. And then your decision-making flows from that. Your character, it flows from your character. And I think all of that is a heart condition. It's, it's tied to a heart condition. And, um, and so if we would say, if my tragedies have taught me anything, I think um, it's definitely taught me to be just, just compassionate towards other people and just trying to give folks the benefit of the doubt and just, and trying to show grace and um, with the prayer that somebody would do the same for me. And I've seen it. I've seen myself going through horrible situations and somebody came and gave me a hug or somebody came and bought me dinner or just something, just something they did not have to do, but it helped me in that moment. And so those are things that when, you, when somebody does something like that for you, those are things that you want to bottle up and just put a top on it so you can keep it forever. And realistically, you know, that's not possible, but at least allow it to change your heart. Right. Well said. Well, Fatima, like, where do you see, do you see yourself writing more books or, or what do you see kind of uh, going forward with, with what uh, your work? Yeah, well, it's definitely been spoken into me. I definitely see myself with at least one more in me. <laughs> Somebody's spoken many more. Um, I'm going to, um, I think, uh, well, next year, uh, tomorrow, I'm gonna, um, I've, I've been um, journaling and just reflecting on um, the different things I believe that I want to speak on in the, in the new book. The, um, the prescription is in the dirt. That one was really focusing on these huge things that anybody could see would, would change a person's life, right? Um, it's undoubtedly that they could change your life. But I think the, the other side of it is, but once you come through it, similar to what we talked about, now what, right? Now what do you do? Um, the, I, it was hard for me to see that I had some bad habits in relationships when my husband was beating my butt. I'm just saying, him beating my butt was kind of the bigger, <laughs> bigger thing at that time, okay? Um, it, it was, you know, it, uh, me being selfish or needy, uh, that was my mute in comparison to him dragging me around the house. So, um, but once I left that relationship and I started being in other relationships, I realized that I had some codependency issues, that I had some, some needy, insecure issues. What's going on with me? But I couldn't see that until I came out of that type of a relationship. So the next book would definitely be talking about those type of things as far as, you know, what do you, where do you go from now? How do you come out of self-victimization? And so, and when I say that, I don't mean that no one has a right to feel that they've been wrong. 
I just, I, I think more so of the self-righteous anger of how dare you do that to me and I would never forgive you forever at plus 10 years. Um, and, and just walking through life um, feeling a bit entitled because you've been a victim at one, um, at one course of your life. And so you feel the world owes you. And you make decisions that um, sabotage your success. Um, or you make decisions that you know are horrible decisions, but you keep doing it. And then when it turns out horrible, you say, look what the world did to me. That's self-victimization. And so that's what um, I think is important to dive into, um, to not just leave those huge situations, but also do some more internal reflection to see how you can be a better person, how you can be your better self. Right. It, it almost reminds you like the, uh, like I feel like what some people did I don't know, kind of in college of, of like, sort of like, you know, if there's a test that they're worried about, you know, they may end up going out partying the night before. And then it's like, then they have an excuse for why they failed that right. test. So it's like, they, right. they could have put in the effort, you know, to actually do well on the test, but they already decided like, you know, they, they didn't believe in their, themselves or yep. for whatever other reason, Absolutely. but then they, but then they use, they, they, they purposefully, like instilled some kind of a uh, excuse yep. in order to have a reason that they yeah. didn't do well. Absolutely, and it's a cycle, and it's not. It, it happens in every facet of life. You um, those type because it's it's a character flaw. So it's it's not going to just happen in school. It's not going to just happen at work. It's going to happen at home. It's going to happen in your relationships with your children, with your husband. You'll have those type of fallback plans. And so um, I definitely was one of those people. Um, and it was just so natural because I've been a victim for so long. So, so many horrible things just was happening to me and happening to me. It was easy for me to sit in that pity or sit in that um, kind of nothing good will ever happen to me that. It was easy for me to sit in that. And so it's the hard work of coming out of that. That's when you say, okay, that's when you really want to change your life. When you say, I see this in me. I know it's not right and I need help changing it. And that's when you're really walking towards the steps of healing those things that's tucked deep inside of you. And the book, the, the book, The Prescription in the Dirt, it does, um, you know, give you some of those type of tools also, um, just through my opinion, my perspective and my life's journey. And hopefully when people read it, they'll be able to um, grab a hold of some tangible things inside the book and and feel strength and the fortitude to be able to take it and run with it. Awesome. Well, uh, Fatima, it, we're coming up onto the end of the show, but uh, if people do want to find out uh, or get your book or find out more about your work, where would you direct them to? Yes, well, the prescription is in the dirt. It is, here's my book right here. I'm proud of my little baby. <laughs> awesome. And um, it is on Amazon, uh, an ebook a version and paperback. And um, you can also just reach out to me and chat with me. I would love to hear your story. I would love to hear and walk alongside you through your, through your soul healing. And so you can find me on Facebook under Fatima Oliver, Instagram, Fatima Oliver, 1975, LinkedIn, Fatima Oliver, and Reddit, you guessed it, Fatima Oliver. So you can definitely find me, just put the, number, uh, the name in, and I should pop up with all my family antics and and hopefully something inspirational. <laughs> awesome. Well, 
Uh, for those of you guys who enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro. And you can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, we're now on Amazon uh, Podcasts and just about anywhere else you can find audio podcasts. So go check us out. Uh, Fatima, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our discussion. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for inviting me and I hope to speak with you again soon. Absolutely.